at somebody next to you and say, I'm glad you made it today. Hallelujah. So good today to be in the house of the Lord. Just welcome all of our first-time guests and visitors again. If you're here, we're glad that you're here today. Trust that the Spirit of the Lord has already moved in your hearts. I already feel God in this house today. Got three amens on that one. I already feel God in this place today. It's been good. Amen. Let me just uh, take a moment, highlight a couple things. Um, last Sunday after church, we had a miracle happen in one of our families here at the church. Uh, Michael and Jacinia Johnson's little, uh, little girl, Layla, were at Clyde and Shannon's house, along with Tim and Jennifer and a couple other family members were there. And, and somehow Layla slipped off into the pool and drowned. And... Um, of course, the family began to pray, and Jennifer was there, and she began to administer CPR and uh, was able to get her back to life. And amen. And, and you can talk to any one of the Johnson's family. I mean, she was totally lifeless. There was nothing going on there. We don't know how long. Maybe they do now, but we didn't know at that point how long she'd been in the pool. But, uh, but anyway what the devil meant for harm. God turned it around. Amen. Thank, thank God for a praying family. Thank God for talented people, skilled people. Amen. That knew what to do. And uh, Michael and Jacinia are here today. And I, I imagine Layla's in children's church or wherever she's at. She's back there in the hospital for a few days and they were concerned about lungs and all that, but she's been diagnosed completely healthy. So praise God. Amen. So sometimes it's just those things right there that just makes you want to praise him a little bit louder. Just want to thank him a little bit stronger. Amen. He's been so good, such a good God. And so we just rejoice over that. Hallelujah. We just rejoice with Michael and Justinia today as well. Hallelujah. Just a couple quick announcements that, that you might want to be aware of. Uh, uh, next Sunday morning, it's, it's the Sunday before Veterans Day, and we're actually going to be honoring all of our veterans here, and uh, we've got some folks coming from the high school, I believe, that's going to come and help us, some of the color guards there. And, uh, and so if you know any people in your family that's a veteran, just invite them to the service. We're going to take some time and honor them, and then I'm going to preach a little bit, and we're just going to see what God does. Amen? So that's going to be next Sunday morning, and then the following Sunday, November the 15th, we're going to have a baptism service. So amen, right here on Sunday morning, while we worship, and people are going to be getting baptized. So if you have not been baptized, or maybe you were baptized when you were a little kid and you don't remember it, or maybe you got sprinkled or confirmed or whatever part you were a part of, but it really didn't mean nothing to you, well, I just want to encourage you, you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. I heard one person say to me years ago, well, I don't want to get baptized because I don't want to get my hair wet. I'm like, you don't ever take a shower? We can't, we can't be so prideful. Amen. So if you haven't been baptized, there's a sign-up sheet back there in the back. You can just sign up for that. And also, many of you know that we have Kingsgate College that, that we have going on here. We have probably 
I don't know, uh, Pastor Carlos, maybe six or eight students. I don't know how many are actually enrolled right now. Uh, but we're coming up to a new semester that will start uh, in December, I think, in January. And uh, December, in December, I think it's December 1st, will be your, your last time to, to register. But anyway, uh, we got a, a, a quick video here I want you to watch from uh, Pastor Jay Pike, who's, the, who's over the Kingsgate College there in Oklahoma City. Church, this is Pastor Jay with Kingsgate College, and I can't wait to share some exciting news with you this morning. Our partnership with your church continues to evolve and expand in some really exciting ways. Let me tell you about some of the new degrees that we can make available to you right here in your local church. We've added uh, bachelor's degrees in psychology, in global education, lots of media degrees are now available in addition to our ministry degrees. We've also added a bunch of master's degrees in entrepreneurship, executive leadership, healthcare administration, master's degrees in pastoral care and counseling, all of this available right here in your local church. Many other degrees I didn't even mention, but what I want you to do today is take that next step. We're receiving applications and enrollment for 2021, and December 1st is our application deadline. So today's the day for you to apply. You can do that at kingsgatecollege.com, and there'll also be someone from your church available right after service to help you answer questions, give you more information. But we want to help you take the next step toward your future and your degree. So apply today. Come see us after service or visit Kingsgate College. Amen. So we're excited about that. We continue to do that. And uh, this morning, I just want to take a moment and recognize two people that graduated from Kingsgate College just a couple of months ago. And they actually got their degree, in, uh, their bachelor's degree in business and professional leadership. I'm going to ask Pastor Carlos and Kenya if they'll come up here. We want to recognize them this morning. And uh, come on, let's give God praise for these two. Amen. Amen. I'll ask my wife to come. She's got a gift for you. Come on. These, uh, we didn't get a chance to, to recognize them with everything that was going on with the pandemic and all. And then, uh, but just a couple of months ago, wasn't it, Pastor Carlos? Just a couple of months ago, both of these guys finished their degree. These are, these are working families. These are working families, a mom, a dad. They were able to, to, to plug through, stay dedicated to the task. And now here they are, they're on the other side of their graduation and uh, got a degree. And that happened right here, right here at Kingsgate College. That's accredited through Southeastern Bible College. Amen. So let's give God praise for these guys right here. Thank God for them. Amen. So if you're interested in it, uh, Jernay will be back there in the back right after service. Just uh, if you're even thinking about it. And for if you're a Florida resident, it's, it's, it's virtually going to be free. You only have to hardly pay anything because of the Pell Grants and some of the other things that scholarships that are awarded to you. So you can get a full accredited degree. There are multiple degrees that you can go with. And, uh, and I'll say this, just because of New Harvest Church, it's interest. We were able to push in the educational degree. They didn't even offer that 
for off-site campuses, but because we had such a big push with people, they began Kingsgate and Southeastern began to pull that together and begin to offer that here. So if you're interested in working toward a degree, you just saw proof that you can work a full-time job, be a full-time parent, and still get a degree. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, all right, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles. How many got just a little bit of room left in you for the Word of God today? Amen. I just want to uh, preference a couple of things. How many were here last Sunday? Oh, my Lord. The, um, I, I told you last Sunday I tried to qualify it up front. Uh, I probably have, in, not just last Sunday, but maybe in the last six or eight weeks. Um, not intentionally, but I just believe it's the way God does a thing that uh, we've been preaching some pretty controversial things when it comes to the attitude of a culture. And, uh, and, and there's no sense in not pretending like the elephant's not in the room when you're right here at a political season and you're staring down a political season and you can't help but being inundated by the climate of the political season. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get mail every single day in my mailbox, on my emails. Somehow or another, they've been texting me. How'd you get my number to text me? It's just like, how do you figure? But every single day, we're being inundated on who we should vote for. And how many know we got to vote for somebody? We got to vote for somebody. But what I appreciate about this church, and let me just say this up front, this church right here, New Harvest Church, is one of the most amazing places on the planet to preach. I don't say that lightly. I've got people on standby right now that are wanting to book a meeting for 2021 because they love to preach at New Harvest Church. Not because of what I do, it's because of what you do. There's such a hunger and an appetite for the things of God, and people love to come here and preach. And, and I say that to say this because even when we have to preach controversial things, this church is mature enough to handle it. If you're not mature enough to handle it, trust me, you'll be offended, and we won't see you for about three or, three or four months. It's just the way it works, and that's just, that's body life. doesn't mean that it's right. It's just body life. And so today's not going to be any different. I'm, I'm coming with everything I got. Uh, Pastor Mark prophesied over me a while ago during worship, and it's so true. We've been praying about it for, for almost four or five months now that the spirit of Jezebel has to come down. The spirit of Jezebel has to come down. And, and the way you deal with Jezebel, you don't deal with a compromising spirit. Jezebel has to be attacked. That's why God raised up a Jehu, and he put a Jehu anointing on Jehu. And Jehu was like, hey, listen, you stand in my way, I'll kill you on my way to her. That was Jehu's attitude. That, and you can read it. It's in your Bible. I'm not making it up. It's in your Bible. Because Jehu was going after Jezebel with a vengeance because she needed to come down, because she had influenced a whole nation into idolatry. So until Jezebel gets dealt with, then people, nations, are influenced by the spirit of that day. And so today, I'm just, I'm, I'm coming, I, I, I want to say this up front because 
I want you to love me while I go along in my message today. There, um, there are all kinds of political party people in here. We got Republicans in here. We got Democrats in here. We got independents, libertarians, Presbyterians. <laughs> we got all kinds of people in here. I just want you to know I'm not offended by what you support. It doesn't offend me, but sometimes we have to be told the truth so that we can know how we support what we support. So at the end of the day, if I step on your toes at some point, it's okay. It's okay. Toes will heal. Amen. But what I'm trying to say to this house, we ought to be mature enough to say, hey, you believe that way, I believe this way, but I'm still your friend. I'm still in relationship. And as Jesse was proclaiming a while ago, what binds us together is Jesus. It's the banner of Jesus. And everybody in this room is on a journey. Everybody in this room is on a journey. And we have to give people time to mature on that journey. Just because you see it one way doesn't mean you got to be mad at somebody else who doesn't see it your way. But we do have to have grace in the middle of it. So I'm going to say some very tough things. I know I will. And I just want you to know that no matter where you fall in the political lines, and I've got some strong opinions that are backed up by Scripture, which is really not, to me, it doesn't become an opinion then, it becomes truth. Because it's easy to have an opinion, but if it's not backed up by truth, then that's all it is, is an opinion, and everybody has one. But if it's long as backed up by truth, see, that's the luxury that many people get in the body, body of Christ or in the world, they get opinions. I don't get that. I don't get the luxury of giving you my opinion. I have to give you the truth. And how many know there's only one truth in people's opinions? And you have to decide which one you're going to be on. Amen. So with that being said, look at your neighbor and say, let's go for it today. Come on, just tell them, let's go for it today. Hallelujah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, because y'all know I love you. Well, some of y'all don't know that, but I do. I do love you, and um, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And sometimes God will offend your mind just to reveal your heart. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. How many's ever walked out of the service and say, man, that hurt? Thank all three of y'all. The rest of y'all ain't been listening. What y'all been doing for the last 20 years? Okay, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, and we're going to get this thing started here. Jeremiah chapter 6. I want to begin reading in verse number 16. And it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it. And you will find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what is among you. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster on these people and the fruit 
of their plans or their devices or their schemes because they have not listened to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it also. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 16. And it says, thus saith the Lord, stand by your ways and see and ask for the ancient past. Here's, I like it the way it says in an in a NIV version, the international version. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Somebody shout the crossroads. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. This is part six of taking the territory, but I'm just diverting it a little bit because of the climate that we're in. So I'm, I'm, I, I put a subtitle to this today. I put it, Standing at the Crossroads. Standing at the Crossroads. Look at somebody around you and tell them, what you do at the crossroad matters. Come on, high five about three people and push on them really good and say, it really does matter what you do at the crossroads. It really does matter what you do at the crossroads. It matters. It matters. We're standing at a crossroad, and it matters what you do at that crossroad. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher, you're the communicator. You're the revelator of all truth. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you for the people that have gathered here today. Thank you for those that are watching online, literally all over the United States and parts of the world. Thank you for those that are listening by radio. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to breathe on us now. Breathe through your presence, the power and the presence of a living God. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher and the teacher. You're the communicator and the revelator of all truth. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Well, it's no secret that as we come to the final few days of what will probably go down as the most historical and critical election of our time, it's important that we realize that we as believers, we have to understand that what is at stake. What's at stake is just not a party. What's at stake is a nation. Our nation as we know it is literally hanging in the balance. We are at the threshold of fighting for the very soul of our nation. The very soul of our nation is at stake. And here we are just a few days from will become, it will, it will be documented. It will come. History will say this was the most historical election of this generation. Our nation is teetering on the brink of a cataclysmic fallout. And if we're not careful, we could lose the very freedoms that we so dearly love. And you have to know today while there has, I'm going to preach in a minute, just let me lay it out. While there has always been sin and evil while there's always been bad things and sinful people, while there's always been sinful things in our nation and around the world, the problem is those things are no longer called that. It's no longer called that. We're living in a day where what is bad 
and ungodly and sinful has been normalized. Now here's where I get you. It's been normalized not in the world, but in the church. Isaiah said, woe to those, and he wasn't talking to the world. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. He was talking to the church. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we are standing at the threshold where the church in America, and I'm just picking on America because that's where we live. The church in America has lost its way to the point that we have now began to agree with the culture that we've been called to transform. We agree with the false prophets of our day called the news media. Uh, just because it comes across the news or you read it on the Internet don't mean it's true. <laughs> We're living in a day that uh, the problem has not been the opinions or the views of secular society that's constantly shifting. The problem is the opinions and the views of Christians continue to move the goalposts. We continue to move with the times. And again, Jesse said there ought to be a standard somewhere. A standard means something that you fall back on that becomes unmovable. It's something that you place your hope in, your trust in, your confidence in. And this is what was going on in our text this morning. In our text, they became that, that became the problem. This became the problem to the people of God, mainly Judah. God's people didn't merely stumble into obedience they boldly protested we're not going to listen to you God they, they didn't just stumble their way into misfortune they blatantly and boldly said to God we're not going to hear your prophets we're not going to listen to your people and we're going to do what we want to do they, 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 they strayed away this is the text that we're using they strayed away from the ancient truths. They paid no attention. Watch me now. They paid no attention to God's word. Therefore, God had no other option left but to reject them and to reject their sacrifices. Jeremiah prophesied that because you won't honor God and you won't honor his word, the day is coming upon you when the Babylonians will come to you and they will show no mercy on you, and they'll drag you off to prison for the next 70 years. Jeremiah was saying, the word of the Lord is coming to you. you got to return to the ancient paths. You're at a crossroads in your life, and you got to turn. You're at a place in, the, in your life. Come on, Judah. You're at a place in your life where if you don't adhere to the word of the Lord, the word that's coming next is the Babylonians are coming and the nation that you love, the nation that you cherish, the God that you love in your nation will no longer be felt, will no longer be there because I will turn you over into captivity and I will let your enemies triumph over you until you wake up in your spirit and you begin to turn your face back to me and you begin to repent of who you are and where you've been and what you've done. Then I will deliver you out of the hands of the Babylonians. He said you have to cross this crossroad. 
Church, I'm just trying to help us to understand because, listen, I hope you all know this. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to all those that are in Ohio, those that are in Wisconsin, Indiana, California. Do you know that our messages are being projected all around those places? I get emails and texts every day, people that are listening to our messages. I'm just trying to say to you, our nation is at a crossroad. Our nation is at a crossroad, and we can just stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and just pretend, well, one day everything's going to be all right. It will not be all right. It will not be okay. It will not be okay because God did not leave the stewardship of America in the hands of politicians. He left the stewardship of America in the hands of his church, his ecclesia, the ones that have been called out, separated unto him. So it's the church that has the power. God did, not, God did not empower politicians to run a nation. He empowered politicians to serve him with law and government. But it's the church that ought to influence the politicians. So God is calling his people to wake up. I feel like an alarm clock today. It's time to wake up. The alarm is sounding off, and we cannot no longer continue to sleep and act like everything's going to be okay. You cannot just walk around and just feel like, well, it's going to be all right. Listen, God, well, God's in control. God is rarely in control. God is rarely in control over anything. He can be in control, but he has reduced his sovereignty to the will of man. He said, you got to remember the ancient past. The ancient past are a reference to the timeless truths of God's word. God said, ask for the ancient truths. Ask for the good way and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your soul. I want to say that to every church in America. I wish I had the platform. We need to be asking God for the ancient truths. And we need to be asking God for the good way. And then we need to be walking in it so that our nation can find rest for its soul. I believe collectively the church can turn a nation around. I believe collectively the church can be, begin to believe once again on the ancient truths that are timeless. That's what an ancient truth is. That means it's timeless. It's timeless. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Don't remove the ancient boundaries or the landmark which your fathers have set. The landmark serves as a boundary. When the church keeps moving the boundary according to the shifting cultural of our day, then who knows where the boundaries are? There are no boundaries. Have you read lately? Have you seen lately? The world has no boundaries. That's why they're trying to normalize pedophilia. There's no boundaries. I'm telling you, you don't have to like it or you don't even have to love me at this point, but I'm telling you the truth. There's going to come a day in your day, my day, in this generation, that if the ancient boundaries keep being moved, it's going to be all right for a 35-year-old to have sex with a 5-year-old. And you ain't going to be able to move it because he was born that way the ancient boundaries. One, Psalms 11.3 1, uh, says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So here we are, here we are, we're at a crossroad. We're at a crossroad. Here's the question. This will be on the screen. The question is, does not religion and politics mix, but how do they mix? That's the question. It's not if they do mix, it's how do they mix? You know something is wrong, when Christians get divided over political opinions. 
Because as believers, you should have a standard. The Word. If your standard is not of the Word of God, you are off. You're off. You're like the people in Jeremiah's day. You're in sin. You're in rebellion. And God says, I ain't going to put up with it. Something is wrong when the church gets divided over politics. Preaching an election day sermon ought to be the easiest thing in the world in the church. And it's not to promote a party, it's to promote Jesus. Because we all ought to be able to agree on Jesus. I've heard a lot of people say... <laughs> You heard a lot of preachers say, I've talked to them, not voluntarily, but they say preachers and churches should stay out of politics. Just preach Jesus <laughs> as if Jesus wasn't involved in politics. But all throughout the history of civilization, churches and church leaders and church fellowships has influenced politics. And the moment you remove God from politics, which is his church, the moment you remove his church from politics, now you have an opinion with no boundaries. And when you have an opinion with no boundaries, anything goes. Everything will go. But the church comes in as a standard bearer. The church, come in, the church comes in to influence politics and say, hey, this is as far as you can push that boundary because if you go beyond this point, God calls it sin. Let me just give you a quick video. We showed this one last week, but I want to show it in case you weren't here. But it just reminds us that churches were always involved in politics. Guys in the back, help me out. Let's play that. God throughout history being too political. 1450 B.C., Moses petitioned Pharaoh for the liberty of God's people, even calling down consequences when the king failed to comply. 870 B.C., Elijah, in the name of the Lord, he challenged King Ahab and his advisors for their ungodly policies and practices. 29 A.D., should John the Baptist have kept quiet rather than confronting King Herod about his immoral lifestyle, even though it cost him his ministry and even his life? 30 A.D., when Pilate said to Jesus, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Was Jesus too political when he replied, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above? 31 AD, were Peter and John getting political when they publicly refused to comply with the governing authorities who told them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus? 54 AD, the Apostle Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus in such a way that it totally disrupted both business and politics in the region. 1775, in early America, would you have joined Pastor Jonas Clark in Lexington, Massachusetts, when he led his church and community to form a militia and face the British in the War for Independence? 1830, be holy as God is holy. How political was Second Great Awakening preacher Charles Finney? when he passionately called for an end to slavery from the pulpit. 1954, was separation of church and state being honored when Dr. George McPherson Dougherty preached a sermon that convinced President Eisenhower to include under God in our Pledge of Allegiance? 1963, I have a dream.
about the civil disobedience of Baptist minister, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who led civil rights marches, giving his life for the cause? Were all of these men of God being too political, or were they just being biblical? That's a great question. Are we just being political or biblical? That's the influence of the church. All throughout our nation's history, it was the church that began to shape and lead the charge that helped provide the fundamental values of what we call a free nation. Had it not been for the civil disobedience of Martin Luther King Jr., who from his pulpit said slavery was wrong, it'd still be in existence today. He didn't do it from the city square. He did it from his pulpit. The moment we begin to downgrade the authority of the pulpit and we act like church don't have no business in politics, you get a nation like what we have right now that's teetering on the brink of destruction because there are no boundaries, ladies and gentlemen. The ancient landmarks have been removed, and that's why God was calling out through Jeremiah to an entire nation. He was calling out to Judah, listen, you got to turn. If you don't turn, if you don't repent, if you don't move back to the ancient truths, if you don't move back to the timeless truths, everything that you love, everything that you have enjoyed will be taken away from you. You'll be hauled off into to a communist-style country, and you will live like that. The generations behind you will live like that. I don't know about you, but I got just a little bit too much fight inside of me to let my nation go down because of a few people that are uninformed. I know you don't hear much preaching about this, but Jesus, in his day, went after politicians did you know that the Pharisees of his day were political leaders? They were political leaders. And some of them were part of what is called the Sanhedrin, which was the, Jew, the, 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 the Jewish ruling council court. Jesus didn't have a problem with sinners. He had a problem with Rome politicians. Rome had delegated the day-to-day -day political activity to that Jewish sect called the Sanhedrin. And some of the Pharisees were a part of that. Let me show you something. Look with me in Matthew. Let me just work this out for a minute. Is this all right? Matthew 23. I know I'm not preaching and spitting and carrying on like I normally do, but I'll get there in a minute. Matthew 23, verse number 23. Look what Jesus said. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. I thought Jesus was loving. He is. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. Well, I thought Jesus died for me. He did. He died. He died so that you can be born again, so that you can have a relationship with him. He didn't die for your craziness. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking to you. He's preaching to the airways. <laughs> he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected, watch this, have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Look what he said. You're a bunch of blind guides. You guides, people who lead people, politicians. You're a bunch of blind guides, guides who strain at a net 
and swallow a camel. What do you think if Jesus was presently in bodily form on this planet right now in America, what do you think he would be saying to the politicians of our nation that are leading our nation away from God, that are leading our nation away from the very fundamental things of truth that the church helped influence? What do you think your Savior, my Savior, Jesus Christ, would be saying to that bunch of hypocrites? He would be saying, You're all liars. How do you think he would respond to the climate today? I believe, I, I mean, just think about it. Shutting churches down, but we're going to allow riots and looting. What do you think Jesus would say about that? Shutting churches down, but not the casinos, not the liquor stores, not the abortion centers, but we're going to shut the churches down. What do you think Jesus would say about that? Politicians are more concerned about what kind of straw you drink from than the babies that are being aborted in the mother's womb. What do you think Jesus would say about that? I'm telling you, he would have a lot to say, but we've got a culture that says, you need to be quiet. You need to stay in the four walls of your church. Worship your God the way you want to, but when you come out here, you're in our world. No, when we come out there, we are coming to let you know that there's a Christ, there's a Savior that rules and reigns over every power. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's why we have to be vocal. That's why you don't need to sit there like a knot on a log and act like, well, it's going to be okay. You need to open up your mouth. You need to prophesy things into the atmosphere. You need to call sin out. You need to reject the ungodly, and you need to make Jesus the Lord over it all. We're not just being political. We're being biblical. Many people believe, well, it's okay to integrate our faith into every aspect of life except when it comes to government and politics. <laughs> the pressure that exists today is that preachers should leave politics alone and not concern ourselves with it. Can I tell you, that's the reason why our nation is in the shape that it's in. It's because preachers have cowered to the drumbeat of a secular society because they want the nickels, they want the noses, they want the references. And we have cowered over the last 150 years. We've cowered to the drumbeat of an ungodly society to the point that they removed us out of the public square. Then they threw this thing on us called the, the, the separation of church and state, which does not exist in the Constitution, which does not exist in the amendments. But because we let the world turn it, we let the world capture it, now we have to be removed out of the public square. I'm just saying somebody's got to learn that the season that you're in is not to sit there and be quiet. And you got to have a pushback in you what if we what if they find us what if we go to jail so be it got three amens on that one we, we're, we're living in a day this is listen all over the world Christians are suffering persecution and we and we're gonna shut down over a virus that you have a 99% cure rate upset people you think Jesus said I didn't come to bring peace I brought a sword 
I come to cut away things that don't line up with me. We've been told to be quiet. Trust me, I got a phone. I got several phone calls this week from pastors. One just the other day, who said he called me late Wednesday night. He said, "Hey, can you help me?" He says, "I just I want your I want your opinion. I want your advice. What do you think?" I preached a message on Sunday morning on the reasons why we need to be voting biblically, and somehow my message got into the liberal news station, and they want to interview me. I just don't know. What do we do? And I know this brother, he's a very good friend of mine. He's not intimidated or nothing. He'll tell you the truth. And I told him, I said, brother, you just do what you've been doing. You step inside that little interview room, throw your head back, pull your shoulders back, and just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I ain't about to cower down to or be intimidated by anything you put in front of me. He says, well, what if they throw out this whole thing about the separation of church and state? What if it really didn't get repealed? What if it's still out there on the books? I said, well, just be ready for a jail ministry. Pay a fine. Do what you got to do. But don't stop preaching. Keep the word of God alive. Because religion, I just use that word, influences politics. Let me ask you this. Guys, show me that first picture of Representative, Representative Ilion Omar. And the other one is Representative Tashid Talib. Do you think that their religion influences politics? Do you think that they integrate their faith with politics? I promise you they do. Read their platform. They integrate, they're in politics, they're representatives, but I promise you they are integrating their faith, which they're Muslim, they're, they're, they're pushing their beliefs, their ideologies, they're pushing it into the way they govern, which is called politics. You better believe they use their faith to influence their platform. In fact, in case you don't know it, Vice President Joe Biden has already declared that he will be adding Muslims to his administration. I don't have a problem. Whatever. Do what you want to do. But I'm just saying you're adding their ideology. That means that their religion and their worldview will come through the administrations that governs it. Y'all can get as quiet as a church mouse. I'm going home after this message, and I'm going to eat me some Popeyes. I'm telling you, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I want you to know I'm not scared of you. I am fearful of God, but I'm not scared of you. So you can sit there and act like it don't matter. And I know you're saying, well, I ain't never nobody hurt. I, listen, that's the problem. Our pulpits have been way too silent, and we're losing a generation. This is what, this is an actual quote. I started to do the video, but it would just take too long. But here's the quote. Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, he says, this will be on the screen. He says, I'll be a president who seeks out and listens to and incorporate the ideas of Muslim Americans on everyday issues. That's governing. And the matters, 
and, and, and that matters most to our communities. I will include having Muslim America, Muslim American voices as a part of my administration. Quote, Joe Biden. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. Let me just say this in case somebody thinks that I'm, I'm hating on the Muslims. I'm not trying to disparage Muslims, Muslim Americans. I'm not after them. If we want our First Amendment, they get it too. They have a right to assemble and they have a right to preach. I don't have a problem with it. Everybody should have the freedom to worship with their own expression. You can't give us the First Amendment and take it away from somebody else's religion. But here's what I am saying. If for some reason you as a Christian do not believe that faith and politics should mix and that preachers should stay out of politics, then by your apathy and your reluctance, you are advancing the doctrine of a, a worldly religion and secular humanism to influence the nation and the values and the virtues of Christianity. That's what you do. That's what we do. When, when, when you say, well, it's okay for them to do it, but we can't. Are you kidding me? Our nation was not founded on Muhammad. Our nation was not founded on Buddha. Our nation is not a Shinto shrine. Our nation was founded on the gospel and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our nation was founded on the principles. Only two nations have ever existed on the word of God. That is Israel and the United States of America. And we refuse to be quiet. We refuse to be quiet. They're not sleeping. Years ago, several Muslim imams said, in a thousand years, we will own the world. They're getting up every day and they're working their ideology. They're getting up every day and they're working their agenda while the Christians just sit back and say, well, come on quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and take me up into a rapture. Are you kidding me? You got kids. You got grandkids. You got a generation that's going to grow up in a socialistic, communistic world unless you, the people of God, put a voice back into government. We have to do it. I told you, I'm not mad, I'm just intense, okay? I told you all that, right? I'm not mad, I'm just intense. I ain't mad at nobody. I, listen, I, I, come on over, we'll have Popeyes. We'll eat, a, we'll eat a chicken dinner together. It don't matter to me. In my opinion, many Christians are asking the wrong question when it comes to voting. The question being asked is, well, who should I vote for? <clears throat> wrong question. It's not who do I vote for, but how should I vote? That's the question you have. To, that's the question every believer has to ask themselves. It's not who, it's how. Because if you figure out the how, then you'll know the who. If anybody were to ask me in, a, in, a, in an office setting at my office or whatever, Give anybody or even church, whatever, if anybody would ask me to help me with their problems in life, personal problems, family life, business problems, relationships, conduct, character, behavior, you know what I would go to to help them? Not my opinion. I'd go to the Word. I'd go to the Word of God. I would go to the Word of God as my basis, 
and give them the best answers concerning the truth as it relates to their situation. Because the scripture holds final authority to all of life's concerns. When you have a nation in chaos, don't stick your head in the sand and act like we don't. We do. Where do you go to find solutions when our nation is experiencing global, social, civil unrest and governmental intrusion? Where do you go? You go back to the Word. Amen. Y'all about to shout me down while ago. I'm telling you, you got to go back to the Word. That's why as believers, it's not optional. Well, I just go to church when I feel like it. You better go to church and open up your heart every time the doors are open. You better be reading your Bible every single day because you have been deceived. Deceived. Unfortunately, when it comes to politics, too many Christians spend more time appealing to their family, their family's tradition, their culture, their ethnic expectancy, and personal preference more than they do about what the Bible says about that. I told you last Sunday I had people, all, I've been close to my whole life, I had people that were running for office that were kinfolk. I didn't vote for them. Well, you my cousin. You my nephew. I don't care. You ain't right. Just because I'm related to you don't mean you get my vote. Just because we went to school together and we played on the same football team and we blocked for our running backs, it don't mean we're going to get the same outcome. <laughs> I'm trying my best not to say any names. Well, I like them. They might be a nice person, might be a bad person. I don't know. Look at their policies. Because if I could define the what, I'll know who. <laughs> well, Billy Bob's been in your family for years. You ought to get, he ought to get your vote. No, he need to get back on that tractor. Y'all ain't got to say, no, I don't care. Well, Pukinani. Let me move on before I get in some real, y'all were loving me. Now you're going to start, man, he, he talking, he, I know them. We believe that scripture is good enough for every individual. We believe that it's good enough for families. We believe that it's good enough for churches. But somehow or another, we think it's insufficient to run our politics and government. And it's not. We must understand that if the word can restore a life, if the word can restore a home, if a word can help overcome an issue, I believe the word can raise up a nation. <laughs> Let me hurry. Freedom means that we get to control the choice but not the consequences. You get to control, you can control who you want to vote for. That's your choice. You have a right to do that. And we celebrate that. That's our God-given American right, and I thank God for it. But you don't get to control your consequences. God will rule by the endorsing of the choices we make, good or bad. He's going to rule. Therefore, the government and the people of governments are to reflect the will of God in the earth. And our responsibility is to put people in places of authority who 
best reflects the standard of his word. That's why you need to pray. And I'm not saying you haven't been. I know this church. We've been after this thing for a while. We need to pray. Sometimes sheep come in wolves' clothing. You ever heard of the Trojan horse? Just get me in the door. I'll create havoc. Jesus said if it were possible, even at the end of, end of days, the very elect would be deceived. How do you know you're deceived? You don't know. You're just deceived. Dr. Tony Evans, I love Dr. Tony Evans. He's a strong mentor of mine from a distance. This will be a quote. He said, fundamentally, politics is an ethical enterprise based on what is right and what is wrong. Therefore, our voting should first and foremost be a spiritual issue. But the problem is God's government is being hijacked or assaulted by the people we have elected. Because when they don't hold the view of the Bible, which if you want to know what God's will is, read your Bible. The will of God is his word. The word is his will. They begin to enforce their agenda upon us that's contrary to the word of God. And then we eventually, if left unchecked, we as a nation begins to deteriorate. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the greatest nation in the world. I've traveled to other countries of the world. I've been to other nations in the world. I've stood in platforms all over the world. There is nothing like America. There is nothing like the land of the free and the home of the brave. There's nothing like this great nation. And I'm not celebrating my nationalism. I'm not celebrating my patriotism. I'm just saying this is a free nation. We're one of the only nations in the world where we get the, the choice to choose how we want to vote without the tyranny of a government overriding our decisions. But if you let our nation continue in this path, you won't have that choice. And, and part of the problem is, listen, I, I, and I know my crowd. I know the crowd. Of we, there's people that are my age and older. I get that. We don't have an issue with that. We, 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 we've lived long enough to see enough bad. But there's people that are much younger than us. you got the, you got the millennial generation. you got the Gen Xers and the Gen, Gen Zs. They call them Gen Zs because they're always asleep. They, you never get, they just, they, 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 they're, they're just there. they just there. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. We're going to mow the yard. Do something. Take out the trash. They're just there. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, they don't, they're not, they don't have a bone to fight. They're not trying to fight nothing because you know why? And it doesn't make it their fault. It's just that they have never experienced, they have never seen what we, they weren't even born when 9-11 hit. They weren't even here when 9-11 hit. They have no idea what was going on when Muslims came and bombarded our nation and tried to strip us down to our knees. They weren't even here. They don't have nothing to fight for, but there better be a generation in front of them that knows how to fight. There better be a generation that says, I'm fighting. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for the best life you can have without a communistic government. Let me hurry up. It's, I know what time it is. Your, your, your voting choice you exercise, watch this now, ought to be for a platform, a party, or a policy. And it should represent the values of the kingdom. This will be on the screen. Any candidate platform that is against what the Bible is for should never be validated by your vote. Saying it strong, saying it hard. 
We understand in Romans 13, 1, that all authority is from God, meaning that governments are to reflect his ultimate rule because there is no authority apart from God. You cannot discuss government without discussing God. And when you got a rogue government in place, it's not because God put them there. It's because people didn't rise up when they had the chance to overthrow it. Come on, talk to me. He said, well, that just happened. What about the nations of the world that are in communism? I promise you there were times in their history, there were times in their past, if the people would rise up, they could overthrow the regimes that are currently there, and they would have a government they could live peacefully and quietly with. The problem arises when people adopt the institution of government but dismiss the divine rule over that government. Government is an institution, but it's under divine rule. God is the authority over all governments. Amen. Amen. Come on, talk to me. Don't let me lose you now. Almost there. Many people want God bless America. We just don't want one nation under God. And you can't have one without the other. If you want God bless America, then we need to be one nation under God. Not over him, not beside him, under him. God only promises to bless what he's over. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Hmm. Therefore, governments and the people of governments are to reflect the will of God. If they don't reflect the will of God, get them out. Quit endorsing their craziness. Well, I kind of like them. It don't matter. Look at their policies. It's our responsibility to take our place of authority and execute our American privilege. The standing, I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just saying when you stand before God, ask God to tell you how to vote or at least study it out. And God will tell you. He ain't going to tell you to vote for somebody that's going to take you down a bad path. People that we put in office, the Bible calls them in Romans 13, 4, they are ministers or servants of God. They are there to minister the will of God first. They are supposed to know what God thinks first and to serve God by that direction. If they don't serve by the will of God, they shouldn't stay in office and keep serving. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to hurry. I got one minute. It's impossible. It's not enough. This will be on the screen. It's not enough to know the candidate's plans on solving problems when they're against God by their values and belief systems. So how do we vote? You should always vote vertical. Our government is in the desperate need of people who can inject righteousness into it. Justice into a political contaminated bloodstream. We need to execute justice into a, into a political contaminated bloodstream. Only Christians can inject justice and mercy. Only Christians can love and walk in forgiveness without an attitude. Civil government, this will be on the screen, civil government answers to God. Therefore, there is no separation. The role of the church is to make sure that the state doesn't lose sight of the truth that God rules 
and that there is a moral standard in which the political realm must operate. I'll just finish out with this right here, maybe. That means Jesus has to be bigger than your politics. This will be on the screen. Being pro-life doesn't necessarily qualify someone as a good candidate. But being pro-abortion necessarily disqualifies someone as a good candidate, too. Guys, put that picture up there for me, please, of, of Molek. Is it there? There you go. Y'all know who that is? That's Molech. That was the Canaanite deity, the Canaanite idol. It was a Canaanite god. You see that fire up underneath him? It was a metal god. They would light, that, they would light fire up underneath Molech. Watch this. Not the world, the church. That's Israel. Because when they moved into the land, instead of taking the territory, they mixed their cultures. And so the Canaanite people always offered their children as a sacrifice. So that's the Canaanite God. So they would heat up that molten metal until the hands of that molten metal became so fiery, red hot, and the children of Israel would lay their babies and watch them burn and scream in front of their eyes. Scripture is very clear. That was prohibited in the eyes of God. Okay, let me show you. Look with me in Leviticus. Is this okay? I'm sorry. I know we're going past time, but you won't hear this sermon next week. It'll all be over with. Look with me in Leviticus. Leviticus 18. Guys, you got it up there for me, maybe? It might be quicker. Leviticus 18, 1. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. Right? Verse number 2. That was verse number 2. Go to verse number 3. Go to verse 3. There you go. You sh- Where are we at? I-, I can't read it up there. Let me get here. I'm confused now. I lost my train. Leviticus 18, 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. Verse number 3. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. Verse number 21, you shall not give any of your offspring and offer them to Molech. God did not approve children's sacrifice. And there's other scriptures. I could take you to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah says that about Molech, he says, God does not approve of you offering your children, your babies, to Molech. God has not approved of that. Let me say something. God does not approve abortion. And you can say, well, that's just a one issue thing. It's the biggest issue on the ticket. What about health care? What about insurance? What about It's the biggest issue because the blood of 63 million babies are crying out every single day. And you don't think God is going to hold us accountable because we put people in the office that validate the very thing that he's against. He's against it. 
He's totally against it. These were God's own people. God said, I will not keep tolerating. This is what he said to Jeremiah. This is in Jeremiah 7. If you want to go there, you can just track it. He said, I will not keep tolerating the wickedness of my people in this land. How much longer will God keep tolerating our wickedness? Sooner or later, the veil is going to come undone, and God's going to say, that's it. I've had enough. Could it be everything that we say? I'm not saying God's judging America, but can I say this? Everything we see going on is because we got people in place that do not honor God. And you keep putting them in there. Put them in there because it's just, it's just a one. No, it's, listen, it's more than a one issue. It's the blood of children that are crying out, and you can't wink at that and hope that it goes away. Yeah. I'm just saying this is what God thinks about it. He said to, to Jeremiah, he said, I'm going to turn them over to destruction. I'm going to turn them over to their enemies can't keep laying children down on the altar of convenience and that God's going to bless it. You say, well, I'm, and, and, and y'all know me, I've, we've preached this enough. If, if, if you're a lady in here and you've had an abortion, we know there's grace and we know there's forgiveness and God brings healing back and there's no judgment and there's no condemnation, but we cannot keep pushing the sin into our culture. Since I'm here and I got y'all not knowing if you love me or not, let me say this with all the reverence that I can because it needs to be said. Not because I say it, but just because it's, 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 it's out there. The organization of Black Lives Matter. Do Black Lives Matter? Every single day. Has there been some injustices? You better believe there has been. They matter. I want you to know they matter. They matter. But the organization of Black Lives Matter doesn't matter. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, they should, if, they, if black lives really mattered to the organization, they should be out protesting in front of every Planned Parenthood clinic in America. But they're not. You know why? Because Planned Parenthood funds their Agenda. Planned Parenthood was founded by an avowed racist, racist, a white woman. Her name was Margaret Sanger, who in a letter to Clarence Gamble on December 10, 1939, she said, this is her quote, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. She's the founder a Planned Parenthood. Now you have to ask, what political party is being funded by Planned Parenthood with abortion on demand? Look at the policies. Look at the platforms. Planned Parenthood is throwing everything they can behind Joe Biden. It's the truth. It's the truth. You can, I'm, 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 not, I'm just telling you the truth. It's the truth. You know why they're throwing it behind Joe Biden? Because he believes in abortion. And he will fight to keep it that way. 
Planned Parenthood, since its conception, watch this, has exterminated 18 million precious black babies through abortion. 18 million. What political party is supporting Black Lives Matter? Who is their founders or trained Marxists? You can fact check it. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, it's true. Not only that, they call for the delusion of the American family. They're calling for transgender rights. They said, we want to foster a queer affirming network. Do everybody, should everybody be treated equally? I don't have a problem with that. But just don't bring your rusty self up into a baby's bathroom, a girl's bathroom, and you got male counterparts all up inside of you. I have a problem with that. I know, I know, I know. We live in a culture, cancel culture. No. Just ask yourself this question. Y'all know who George Soros is? He's been named Dr. Evil. That's his name. They call him Dr. Evil. He supports. You remember when, when uh, what's the guy, that, that, uh, George Floyd, when George Floyd was murdered? You remember that? By, by that officer that had his knee on his neck? Call it what you want to. The man was killed. He didn't have a right to die like that. He may have been a criminal, but you didn't have a right to put your knee on his neck and kill him. It, all that is going on, what started out as a protest of injustices, got hijacked by Antifa. Trained Marxists. You know who Antifa is funded by? George Soros. George Soros paid people to go to those places and burn buildings and riot and loot. He paid them to do that. Did you know that George Soros gave Biden and Harris $70 million for their campaign? So when you endorse candidates like that, I'm not saying you're evil, but you are promoting evil. Drop the mic. You promote it. You keep it alive. And God said, I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to let you just keep doing what you want to do and then say you love me. God said, I'm going to call it quits one day. Oh, Lord. Come on, you can keep standing. Come on, Pastor Paul. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. Let me, let me fix this real quick. Somebody said this to me the other day because we were talking about abortion. And I talk about politics all the time. That's what, that's what we do. They said, well, you're just a one-issue voter. I said, yeah. You probably are too. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, you probably are. Let me give you an example. This is how I wrote it down. What would you do if you discovered that the political candidate that you agree with 99% of the time, you just found out that that member, that candidate was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. You would probably answer that you would no longer vote for that person. Congratulations. You're a one-issue voter.
You can be 99% whatever, but if that one issue is against God, I'm against you. See, ladies and gentlemen, our vote becomes the amen of heaven and the earth. We put our agreement into the hands of those who deserve it and hands of those who don't. This is the way you ought to vote. This will be on the screen. This is how you ought to look at it. This is the how. You look at the principles, you look at the platform, you look at the policies, and then you look at the politician. You do it in that order. G.K. Chesterton lived in England, London, England, in the 1800s. He said, I do not believe in a fate that falls on men however they act, but I do believe in a fate that falls on them unless they act. As believers, we have a Christian worldview. That means my worldview, my, my, my reasoning, my, my ideologies, the way I think, the way I process has to be governed through the lens of the Word of God. That's a biblical worldview. Anything that doesn't fit in the lens of my biblical worldview is against God. It's outside of the boundaries of the will of God. I'm not saying it necessarily makes it evil. I'm just saying it makes it outside the boundaries of God. Not every policy is lined up with the Word of God, but not every policy is evil. But there are some policies that are totally against God. Put those screens up there for me, guys. The, the slides. The, uh, which party represents a biblical worldview? Here we go. The Republican Party says we value the right of Americans' religious leaders. This is talking about religious freedom to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. We believe that the federal government, specifically the IRS, is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs. We pledge to defend the religious beliefs and the rights of consciousness of all Americans and to safeguard religious institutions against government control. That's the Republican Party's platform. That's their policy. The Democrat says, their policy says, we celebrate Americans' history of religious pluralism and tolerance, and we recognize the countless acts of service of our faith communities, as well as those paramount importance of maintaining the separation of church and state enshrined in our Constitution. <clears throat> Lie. It's not enshrined in the Constitution. So which part, which, which party has a biblical worldview? It's not a trick question. You read it. That's their policy. Which one has a biblical worldview? It's okay to say it. The Republicans have it. They have it. Doesn't make them a better person. It's just that's their policy versus the Democratic Party. Let me show you number two. What about marriage and sexuality? The Republican Party says foremost among those institutions is the American family. It is the foundation of civil society. And the cornerstone of family is natural marriage. The union of one man and one woman. We oppose the imposition of a social, cultural revolution upon the American people by wrongly redefining sex discrimination, reshaping our entire society to fit the mold of an ideology alien to American, America's history and tradition. 
The Democrats say it. This is their policy. It's all there. You can look it up. We will fight to enact the Equality Act. We will work to ensure the LGBTQ and people are not discriminated against when seeking to adopt or foster children to protect the LGBTQ children from being bullied and assault and guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. We will ensure that all transgender and non-binary people can procure official government identification documents that accurately reflect their gender identity. Think about it. It's only one choice. Fight for the traditional American family. Should people that are struggling in the homosexual, be, homosexual community be treated equally? Should they be treated fairly? We have to protect that. But it don't make it law that we have to accept that as a normal behavior. I'm trying to help us. And we got people, we got family, we got friends. And I'll say this a couple weeks ago. We got multiple people that are struggling with their sexual identity. You were not born gay. You were not born gay. Here's what I have a problem with. Town hall meeting, Vice President Joe Biden was asked by a mom of several kids about sexual identity. He said, if I become president, I'll make it law that an eight-year-old can choose his identity. Are you kidding me? Some of y'all are like, I, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> Just telling you. Let me give you one more. Maybe let's, let's go to number three. The economy. Okay, this is pretty good. Government cannot create prosperity. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. Through, though, though, though government can limit or destroy it, we've seen that, prosperity is a product of self-discipline, enterprise, saving and investment by individuals, but it's not an end in itself. Democratic Party says we will forge a new, notice the language, social, a new social and economic contract with the American people, a contract that creates millions of new jobs and promotes, watch the language, shared prosperity. You know what that means? You have to take care of somebody that don't want to work. Viva's got a business. Who else has a business in here? Clyde's got a business. Pam has a business. Can you imagine working 40, 50, 60 hours a day, putting your labor into it, putting your hard-earned money into it, and then you're going to go pay for somebody to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos? That's what they're saying. They want to spread the wealth. So when you endorse a candidate, that's what you get. I should have stopped when y'all loved me. Number four, number four, Israel, there's, there's not much difference in these two party lines. It's almost the same other than the Republicans believe in a land that was given to Israel by their father Abraham, and they should have their borders extended all the way to the borders that they originally had before the 1967 war. The Democratic Party believes in a two-state, I'm not taking time to read all, they believe in a two-state uh, nation where the Palestinians can have a state and Israel's can have a state. It's, it's, that, that's up for grabs. That's, just, that's, that's an argument that's going on. But there was a time when Israel had all their land, but, but Hezbollah and Hamas kept dropping bombs and rockets on them. And, and it's like, we, we want peace, but we can't have peace because y'all won't leave us alone. So 
that's up for grabs. That, that's not a whole lot of difference there, but either way, that's, I, I mean, honestly, I could vote either way on that. That's my, honestly, I could go with the Democratic Party on that. I'm going to have a big time. That's not a hard issue unless they fall out of agreement with Israel. Now I have an issue. But as long as they're going to support Israel, I can support that. Let me give you the last one, then we'll go home. Number five, let's talk about life. The Constitution guarantees that no one can be deprived of life. This is on the Republican side. Liberty or property deliberately echoes the Declaration of Independence proclamation that all endowed by their creator with the inalienable right to life. According, accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and the legislation to make clear that the 14th Amendment's protection apply to children before birth. That's their party. That's their platform. The Democrat Party says we will appoint U.S. Supreme Court justices and federal judges who will respect and enforce foundational precedents, including Roe versus Wade. We believe every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to women's reproductive health and rights. Translation, we don't mind killing babies. That's what it is. So for me, that's how I do it. I look at their platforms. I look at their parties. Which one of those has a biblical worldview? Read your Bible. You'll know which one has a biblical worldview. That baby has a right to life. The other will say, I don't care. We'll kill it. Let me say this, and then we're going to go right here. I know y'all thinking I'm picking on the Democrats. I'm not. I'm picking on their policies. You didn't create their policies, but if you vote for it, you endorse it. And let me say this because I've got friends in here, people that have been tracking with us for a long time. Real softly, guys, please. Let me just say this with everything because I've, I've hesitated how to say it in a way that doesn't seem judgmental because I'm not being judgmental here to anybody. The Democratic Party has lost their way. There was a time it wasn't like this. It is now. And let me say this. You're not leaving the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left you. And that's the way you got to see it. And you know what? Four years from now, I might be voting Democrat. Because if they throw up a better policy that's more in line with God's view, guess what? I'm going to switch sides. I'll switch sides in the middle of a fight. That's what God did when he saved you. You was in the middle of a fight with the devil. He said, no, that one's mine. Come on over here. So how do we vote? We vote vertical. We vote vertical. And I'm standing in here, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm, my wife knows, I, my, I've been tore up for weeks. My insides, it hurts. Because I know our con you can't have a multi-ethnic congregation and preach on politics and it not affect somebody personally. It does, and I know that it does. I know that it does. But at the end of the day, 
what makes our church so vibrant, what makes our church so different, is that we can get everybody in here with all different kind of ideologies and backgrounds and belief systems. And we can funnel everybody through the word of God. And at the end of the day, we're coming out on God's side. That's what makes our church powerful. So my prayer today is that we're two days away. Some of you, most of you have probably already voted. It's all fine. But we can pray. We need our nation to turn back to righteousness. Do I think President Trump is our savior? Absolutely not. You think, do I think Joe Biden is our savior? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ is my savior. That's right. That's right. Jesus Christ. He's my savior. But at the end of the day, everybody under the sound of my voice has a spiritual responsibility to make sure that we partner with God so that the plans of God can be executed in a way that brings health and life and happiness to an entire generation and get rid of the evil. The role of government is to support the good and limit the evil. That's the role of government. You can't do that without the church. So it's our responsibility. Come on, all over the building, lift your hands. Can we pray one time for our nation? Lord, we pray. Will you just pray for our nation? We're hanging in the balance. Something has to give. Something has to shift. Father, we pray. We pray right now. We pray over our nation. Lord, our nation is standing at a crossroads. Lord, we don't want to be like the people of Judah back in Jeremiah's day. We don't want to just stand and say no to the word of God. We don't want to just stand and say no to the principles of the ancient truths. But God, we want to stand in our place as a people, as a people that's been entrusted to do the will of God, as a people that's been entrusted to carry out the work of God to our generation. Lord, we will not be silent. We will not be still. But we will press in with everything that we have till we see a land that begins to exalt righteousness till the freedom of God's power begins to get released to every generation so that every generation has a right every generation has a fight every generation has a legal right to begin to move into the things of God God we lift our voice we humble ourselves we cry out God, heal our land. Heal the division. Break down the walls. We come against racism. We come against genocide. We come against the false prophets. We come against the media. God, heal. Heal our land. Let us be a nation under God. In God we trust the sovereign monarch of the universe. We cry out. We repent. We repent, God. Let the church lead the way. Let the church be the first. Let the church stand its ground. In the name of Jesus.
Jezebel comes down in this nation. The powers of Jezebel be broken over this nation. You will not rule, you will not reign, you will not influence, you will not manipulate, you will not control, you will not use your divisive schemes, you will not have your way over this nation. We expose you, we bring you to light now in the name of Jesus and the powers that support it, the powers that be, the powers that are sitting in places of authority. We bind your schemes, we bind your devices, we bind your, 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 your planning, we divine everything that you are using against America. Church, this is a strong prayer, let's pray. The power of Jezebel is being dissolved. The power of Jezebel is being dismantled over our nation and righteousness will rule in our streets. Righteousness will rule in our justice system. Righteousness will rule in our hallway. Lord, we declare, we declare in the name of Jesus, we break the grip, we break the influence, we break the power of Jezebel, and we cast her down. We cast that spirit down in the name of Jesus, and we declare there is victory in the house of the Lord. There is victory in the United States of America. The power of Jesus Christ will rule over every government, and to his government there will be no end, for he shall rule and he shall reign forever and ever and ever in Jesus' name. what we do. Here's your exercise. We walk up out of this house, find somebody you agree with or don't agree with, but you say we're standing on the platform of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be a church that leads this community. We're going to church that leads our, our neighborhood, our regions, and this territory. We're going to show you how to walk in love with all kind of aisle differences, but we're going to stand on the Word of God. That is our banner. So have a good day. Love on somebody on your way out. We'll see you Tuesday night for prayer. God bless you in Jesus' name. Don't forget to sign.